0: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This
1: is Cork Today. Cork Today
2: with JP McNamara on C103. Cork Screen.
3: And good morning, Patricia. Still feeling unwell today. So, JP, with you until one. Bernie, taking your calls and comments on always Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 And ahead on this morning's show, the latest from Yole as a technical examination will continue at a house in Yole after Gardaí arrested a man on suspicion of the murder of Tina Satchwell. Also, reaction to the budget 2024 yesterday. We'll get an overview for First of all, of the budget with Adam Higgins, who is a political correspondent with the Irish Sun and a lot of changes announced when it comes to tax. But what does that mean for us all, uh, especially workers who will see changes and cuts to the USC and changes to PRSI? But for a lot of us, that can go over our heads. And also when it comes to claiming your credits by way of tax, some people still get confused on how that is done. And even though I've watched various videos online and on TikTok on how to do it, you're always worried in case you're doing the wrong thing. So, uh, for those who are going to see changes to tax, Maureen Driscoll, who is known as the tax nerd, will join us this morning with advice. And Social Justice Ireland gave a number of recommendations prior to the budget, but are they happy they'll join us this morning ahead of their launch and their views of the budget? We'll hear from them after 11 o'clock. And also on the show this morning, Bantry, is set to become a dementia-friendly town. And while a number of measures have been taken over the past year, including staff training for those working in retail outlets on what it is like to live with someone with dementia, we'll hear about a meeting uh, that is going to take place in Friday in Bantry, uh, that later in the show. Also, ITV insists it'll work with Holly Willoughby after she announced she would not be returning to present this morning. She quit the daytime show yesterday after 14 years as the host and in a Statement The 42 year old, she thanked the broadcaster and indeed the viewers, but she said she had to make the decision for herself and her family. Our showbiz correspondent, Crossy, will join us on that decision by Holly Willoughby yesterday. And indeed, gardening advice. If you want some advice on the garden after a lot of heavy rain overnight, Peter Dodal is along after 12.30 and your gardening questions are welcome to us on text, WhatsApp, phone. And of course, you can always contact us via the C103 app or indeed by email, today at c103.ie. But Gardaí have upgraded their investigation into the disappearance of Tina Stachwell to murder. Tina has been missing from her home in Yole since March 2017, and Ralph Regal joins me from the Irish Independent this morning. Uh, Good morning to you, Ralph. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. A man in his 50s was arrested yesterday afternoon.
2: Yeah, it's a significant development in a case that has baffled um, everyone really for the last six years. Um, just before five o'clock yesterday, a man in his 50s was arrested. Now, he was detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, which gives Gardaí 24 hours to question him. Now, he's been taken to a Garda station in East Cork and he his questioning began last night. Now, in tandem with that, Gardaí sealed off a property in Yall and that property is being subjected to quite an extensive search at the moment. Now, it's both an interior and an exterior search. So guardi are searching within the property and um, walls, floors, ceilings. But they're also searching outside the property with the focus initially on a section of footpath and a drain. But there's also an intensive search being conducted of a garden adjacent to the property.
3: And those searches will continue. That man remains uh, in the Garda station. How long can the Garda hold him before they either have to release him or charge him?
2: Yeah, be a section uh, section four allows for a detention of 24 hours, but while it is 24 hours, if questioning continues um, continuously. Um, It can be extended if rest breaks or if sleep breaks or food breaks are taken during that period of questioning. So again, if sleep breaks and, and food breaks are taken, that period of detention could potentially be extended until Thursday morning, but that is yet to be determined. Now, as I said, the search is continuing. That search is expected to continue for some time, possibly several days um in Yall. Now the property is cordoned off and as well as uh, commencing the search guardy have again appealed for anyone who may have information on Tina's disappearance, uh, to contact them. They, they've said, look, even if it's a piece of information that you might think is is not relevant or useless, the, the word is let Gardie determine that. So contact the Gardie. Now, the investigation is being led out of Middleton Garda Station, and there's a significant amount of resources been deployed to it. And Gardie are hoping that it will shed some light on precisely what happened to Tina Satchwell when she was last seen on March the 20th, 2017.
3: And as this has been upgraded now, this is, the, is not the first search that has been carried out in the search for Tina statue. Well, you could remind us, Ralph, I suppose, of her disappearance back in 2017 and a number of searches that were carried out after that across the East Cork area.
2: Yeah, t- t- the sur- Tina was last seen on March the 20th, 2017 by her husband, Richard. Now, he reported her missing four days later, and what he said had happened was that he he was asked to go on an errand to nearby Dungarvan by Tina on March the 20th. He did so, and when he returned to the property, he said that Tina was gone. Now, what was unusual was her mobile phone had been left behind, and her pet... Her pets, particularly her pet dog Ruby, um, who Tina was virtually inseparable from, was also in the property. Now, Gardy treated it as a missing persons case. There were a number of appeals for information about Tina. Um, Gardy checked ports, airports, bus stations, train stations, in particular CCTV footage, and there was no trace of Tina. Um, Eventually, Gardy even checked with um, police in the UK because Tina had travelled to the UK in her teens, which is actually where she met her husband, They'd lived there for a time before they returned to Ireland. They were initially based in the Fermoy area before they relocated to Yall. Now, there was no trace of Tina in the UK either. And Gardy came to the conclusion that Tina never left Ireland and that the answers to the mystery of her disappearance uh, lay within the East Cork community. Now, as you mentioned, there were a number of very detailed searches over the years. There was a search of some offshore waters. Um, in Yall, there was also a major search of Mitchell's Wood outside Castle Martyr in 2018. Now that search continued for 10 days, uh, the search was launched on foot of intelligence received by the Guardi, but we understand that there was nothing of significance found a, a, as part of that particular search. So the developments in the last 24 hours are the most significant in the case really for the last uh, five years. And as I said, Guardi are continuing their search of that property in Yall and it will continue for several days.
3: And her family in Fermoy, Ralph, they also made a number of appeals during that time.
2: Yeah, there have been a number of different appeals. Um, I think her sister, Teresa, who's based in the UK, had made a number of very emotive appeals saying how tight-knit the family were, appealing to Tina if she was able to contact them to do so, and appealing to anyone who might have information about her whereabouts or what happened to her, to contact the Garda. Now, Garda have appointed a liaison officer to assist the family, and that liaison officer will be working closely with the family over the coming days as we await further developments in the case.
3: And Garda asking anybody with any information to come forward to them in either Middleton Garda Station or indeed any Garda Station. For the moment, Ralph, uh, we'll see what happens across the day on this developing story, but thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks, John Paul. Thank you. That is Ralph Regal there from the Irish Independent. Your thoughts are welcome on the budget yesterday afternoon. Uh, did you think it was a fair budget? Was it a budget for all or is it just going to keep some sections of society happy until the next budget? Your views are welcome. Uh, Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or email cork today at c103.ie Jer is in Middleton. He feels there was nothing in it for young people. His daughter will be finished her teaching course after Christmas and she is talking about going to Canada or Australia. Her boyfriend is a carpenter and they are both planning to go. It is history repeating itself, says Jur and Jur worked in Boston for years himself. That's Jur's in Middleton's uh, thoughts to 0818 Anne feels it was a budget that will help the workers, the first one, for a long, long time. Anne says, I always get frustrated when I hear about social welfare increases, not for pensioners, but for those who draw the dole, as Anne puts it. Uh, But Anne says she was happy to hear of cuts to the USC and other income taxes. Uh, While Mark has been on, he's a worker, and while he welcomes the changes, he is worried because he commutes to work, and the carbon tax now is going to affect him going forward because he knows the price of diesel would increase as will petrol while Tom is asking regarding the carbon tax will we now see coal going up as well and you will Tom because on the the carbon tax with regards to for example a 40kg bag of coal uh, that would go up by roughly around 90 cents now everything depends on the the coal supplier but roughly it will be going up uh, on the carbon tax which is mentioned in the budget yesterday you'll see a 90 cent increase on a bag of coal and that will then uh, Uh, be on every type of energy fuel for example Uh, even though the uh, peat bales uh, of briquettes have been controversial over the last number of years. You'll see a 20 cent increase on a 12.5 kg of beet bale and also uh, oil and natural gas. That will all increase along, as we mentioned, with petrol and diesel. So Tom and indeed Mark worried about the effects carbon tax will have. We'll get more details on what was mentioned in yesterday's budget next.
4: Cork Today on C103.
3: In a budget for all Cork South Central's, Michael. McGrath delivered this yesterday afternoon in the Dáil. Uh, so what are the main aspects of Budget 2024? I'm joined by Adam Higgins, who is politically a political correspondent with The Irish Sun. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning. And thanks for joining us, I suppose. First of all, we look to the workers because a lot of people in touch who do work and sometimes workers feel that these budgets never benefit them. Uh, but there will be some changes to tax. The USC is going to see a reduction and also income tax changes.
5: There is indeed. And I think workers and workers family working families are probably the biggest winners in this year's budget. If you look at it, a, a family of two who have one child in childcare and both of them work and have an, a wage of under fifty grand or fifty grand and under, they'll come out of this budget about four thousand euro better off next year than they are this year, which is a significant amount of money back in their pockets. Those tax changes, the income tax changes worth for someone on forty two thousand euro. It's worth about 800 euro next year. That's along with the USC cut, bringing it from 4.5% down to 4% and a couple of other small tax credit changes, an initial 100 euro tax credit for everybody in the country. Now that if you look at the numbers that those income tax cuts are actually worth a little bit more than what they're giving people who are, rely on core social welfare payments so the likes of pensioners, job seekers, carers, they've all got a €12 euro per week increase, which works out at just under, but very close to the same. So really, it's probably around between 12 and €15 euro a week better off for everyone in the country.
3: And for those low paid workers, the minimum wage is to increase, so they'll benefit from this. I know some small businesses have a concern, but it will benefit those low paid
5: it will indeed. This is an, uh, one of the most significant increases to the minimum wage that there has been in quite some time. One euro forty increase to the minimum wage kicking in in January, so that brings it up to twelve seventy an hour. So, which will significantly help those uh, on their lowest income w- workers. But on the flip side of that, small businesses and businesses are concerned that this, along with the auto and pension scheme, which is due to kick in next year, and inflation an energy, high high energy crisis, that they will struggle to cope with all of these hitting them at the same time. So to help those businesses cope, there is a 250 million euro sum put aside for small business and business supports. The details of that are going to be ironed out and released over the next coming weeks. So if I was a business owner, I'd be keeping an eye on the Department of Enterprises website to see uh, what sort of support and help you can get for when all those additional costs kick in next year.
3: And while we thought we may escape with petrol and diesel because we know the restoration of the $0.08 cent on petrol and $0.06 cent on diesel uh, is deferred now until April 24th and August 24th. But where we are being hit, overnight we saw the increase already under the carbon tax. And already commuters have been onto us, Adam, unhappy that they will now be paying more for petrol and diesel.
5: They will, yeah. The government, are taking it with one hand and, and giving it with the other here. So with... On the one side, they've decided to defer that um, excise increase that was due to kick in in the coming weeks. That was from a measure they put in and they were phasing back those uh, excise excise tax increases on fuel. They've deferred that, but they have pushed ahead with the carbon tax increase, which they have committed to doing every year up until I think 2030 or so when when, uh, these carbon tax credits are going to be used throughout the years on various green measures and climate friendly measures, climate action measures, things like that. But no doubt it will be hitting people in the pockets this morning when they drive up to get their petrol and realize that their cost of putting a tank has gone up quite a few.
3: Yeah. And on the other side of this, with carbon tax, coal and other energy uh, solutions that people do use, uh, they're also increasing. So you'll be hit that way as well. Uh, But for public transport, when we touch on on transport itself regarding cars and petrol and diesel, uh, there are some fare reductions that will continue. And the young adults uh, card scheme, that's going to be continued and extended for adults between 19 and 25. So some positives there regarding public transport.
5: Yeah, and that's a measure that the Green Party are particularly proud of. They have been fighting to keep that 20% uh, reduction in, in public transport fares. They want to make that permanent. And I suppose they're on the way to doing that now after keeping it for another year. But on the other side, they did want to have some sort of extension, some sort of improved public transport budget. And the room that they've managed to negotiate there is that the the young fare, the 50 percent fare for young people will be extended for another two years. So you'll get that up to 25, 26 now. And uh, I think the, the idea is that that will increase year after year as long as the Greens are in, are in government in order to make those fares, you know, 50% in the long term, looking for everybody in the country.
3: And staying on transport, they have allocated money to invest in our road networks. Now, it doesn't specify exactly what networks will benefit from this, but over the years, we haven't seen that, so it, it hopefully will improve the road networks and indeed maybe get roads built in this country, even though the Greens may not be in favour of that in, in, in 100% total capacity, getting roads built, but there's a lot of concern about road networks here in Cork.
5: There is, and, and the money for roads is an interesting one because Minister Ryan had made a point of it when he came in that he wanted to use most of his budget, his transport budget, I think two tours of his was his, uh, his quote at the time, for cycling and walking infrastructure because he wanted to move away from cars and get people walking and cycling more and public transport and things like that so the the fact that there's an inclusion of uh, roads money in the budget is an interesting one itself because the minister for transport is Eamon Ryan and we know that Jack Chambers is the junior uh, minister of transport he's the one that's pushing for this roads money so it'll be interesting to see how that washes out and what projects go ahead for example we know One controversial project, the the ring road around Galway, has a lot of opposition from the Green Party. So it'll be interesting to see how this all washes out.
3: And then we mentioned yesterday about the energy credits. That that has been confirmed, three €150 credits. Do we know when the first one is due to be paid? Uh, They were mentioning yesterday December. Has that been confirmed?
5: Um, the, the dates and when they'll be paid will be released uh, in the coming weeks, but I'd imagine it'll be very similar to last year. They wanted mm-hmm. to keep it, they saw last year's 200 euro credits as a success, and while they couldn't go as far monetarily, they're going to keep it in line with that as much as they can. So it'll go in alongside your uh, your energy bills when they come out. So I'd say we'll get one before Christmas and two then after.
3: Probably similar to last year, yeah. And while we mentioned, uh, while we were all paying tax, a huge amount of our salary, which we touched on with the, with the income tax in USC, there we do pay a lot on rent and the rent tax credit that has increased and it was confirmed uh, in, in the budget well there was talks it might double it isn't it's up to 750 per year and as well of this parents can claim the credit for their child who may be a student in college and renting a house
5: yeah, an interesting expansion to that uh, scheme that was introduced last year. So last year it was a €500 euro renter's tax credit. And one of the things that Minister McGraw was keen to point out yesterday is that he is going to set aside money for a, a tax credit and a tax um, Kind of publicity scheme a publicity campaign because he said that not a lot of people are aware of what they're entitled to and in he highlighted this one the renters credit because not as many people that they the government expected would have taken up on this have gone for it so they've increased to 750 and then they've also widened the yes so that parents who are, are paying for a student's dig or student's accommodation while they're in college can also claim this back so i wonder will will that alone increase the number of people who will be availing of this
3: Yeah, and staying with housing, the mortgage relief did change also. So mortgage interest relief will be changing for those who were struggling with mortgages. Some was changing there over the last while. Now, fixed rate mortgages are not eligible for that, though.
5: No, it looks like this is going to be targeted to those on tracker mortgages and variable mortgages. Um, These are the people who would have been, I'm I'm sure there's some listeners here now thinking, I got a letter almost every month over the past year, seeing my rates go up and my mortgage go up. That's exactly who this is targeted at. So this is people who are on trackers, variables who've seen their mortgage increase over the past year alongside the ECB rates. Now, if the government aren't shielding you or paying you back for everything that you've been hit by this increase, but you'll get about 20% of that increase back and up to a maximum of €1,250. Euro. But there are some caveats in that. Your mortgage has to be in between 80,000 and 500,000 left to pay on it as well. And the, the time that you have left to pay on it counts on this as well. So it's a it's a tricky one to introduce, but they're going ahead with it. And it looks like the department said yesterday they expect it will help somewhere between 160,000 200,000 people.
3: Yeah, and also they mentioned yesterday the vacant home tax that is going to be increased. But something that was mentioned in the Doyle I haven't seen it picked up in a lot of uh, areas this morning, but this was a reduction uh, when it comes to the insurance levy. So you would hope if they are reducing the insurance levy, it may change the insurance premiums and reduce them somewhat?
5: I'd assume so, and that's something the government, in particular the Fiendig outside the government, have been keen to tackle. Since really the last government, we saw the the insurance action uh, plan and and all of the measures that were introduced there. And even despite a huge amount of those measures being introduced, legislation changed, judicial guidelines put in, the the cost of those payouts that insurance companies are paying has gone down significantly. We saw a study recently that in particular for businesses and uh, public liability insurance, their premiums haven't really gone down. So insurance companies don't seem to be passing on the savings they're making from these government changes to their customers when it comes to public liability. Liability insurance. So, I think that's something the government will be keen to look at over the coming months.
3: Yeah, indeed. And then to the social welfare payments. I mean, they are to increase by twelve euro. I would presume. Is it from January all these increases will kick in?
5: Yes, those increases for the social core social welfare payments will be twelve euro uh, on the weekly rate, and that's going to kick in in January. But in, in order to help people through the winter, there are a number of lump sums for uh, select groups of um, people in. Receipt of welfare payments, the likes of the fuel allowance, the working family payment, the living alone allowance, they'll all get one-off lump sums in the run-up to Christmas. Alongside that, there will be the Christmas bonus, the, the double week that's paid in December will be paid out. But another January payment will be paid out as well. So there'll be a double week in the, the, the weeks following Christmas, they'll get a double payment as well.
3: And uh, childcare fees, uh, was mentioned yesterday on the show, have they introduced measures now that will tackle the high cost to parents for childcare?
5: Yes, I saw uh, an interesting comment from one of the the childhood, um, one of the the early learning centre groups that look after those corrections and things, and they said they were welcoming the increase for parents. They also welcomed some of the measures that were there to help businesses to to, I suppose, keep the lights on during the winter. Because we know after that protest a while ago that they a lot of them were concerned that they won't come to be able to stay in business. So there was measures and and tinkering of the supports, and and also you know the rise of the minimum wage will will help as well. So. I think there is some measures there for for the creches. But I wonder, will we be in the run-up to the next budget seeing another protest again?
3: Yeah, indeed. And will it be enough for them? Now, uh, Norma Foley got her way somewhat when it came to education. She was looking for funding for free school books. She got that for second level, but just up to the junior cycle.
5: Yes, so this is something that the government were uh, surprised that it was so popular among parents when they brought it in last year at primary school level minister foley said it was hugely popular the feedback she was getting and so she really pushed for it to be rolled out in secondary school. She wanted to see it go all the way to sixth year and all the way through. But uh, money-wise, the, the, the two money ministers decided that they'd go uh, halfway there. So first and third year in the junior cycle. Next year, it will kick in in September next year. So parents will just have to send their kids to school with their lunches. They won't need school books. They won't need copies. They won't need calculators, anything like that. So I think one it's one measure that will really help parents to reduce that massive cost of um, going back to school.
3: Yes, indeed. And then to our health service, significant funding has been given to the Department of Health. This also will lead to a drive on recruitment, Uh, plus going back to the old health boards uh, with the regionalisation of the health service. So interesting to see we're going back to what we had a number of years ago.
5: Yeah, and I think the health budget is one of the places that that, um, the opposition zoned in yesterday, Sinn Féin's first party, accusing the government of forgetting about the problems in our health service with this budget because really there's not a lot of room for new measures. This, I, we have a press conference now very shortly with Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, and it'll be very interesting to see what he has to say about this budget because we know that he wanted to continue with the, decreasing the cost of health care for patients and there's really not enough money at all to do any of those measures that he had planned. So... I think this is a running to stand still sort of a budget for the health service. And already we're seeing problems in the University of Limerick, for example, today, the University of Limerick Hospital today, where they've had to ask people who are not having an emergency to not go to the hospital because they're so uh, overcrowded already. And this is weeks and months out from January when we know this gets really bad every year. So I think it'll be a a difficult um, year for the health service because the budget, while it has gone up slightly, I don't know how much of that will be eaten up by inflation or increased number of patients showing up to get
1: care.
3: Yeah, and uh, very finally, then you mentioned Sinn Féin there, the opposition highlighting the housing has been a big problem. They felt not enough was done in this budget for housing, which is affecting every part of life, from employment to those who are looking simply for accommodation. And the rural independent group, they have criticised the budget, as saying it's done little to benefit anybody living in rural Ireland.
5: And I, On the, the Sinn Féin side of it, I think they could have written their speech last week, really, when they saw that there was definitely going to be some sort of a, a tax break for landlords. I think that was always going to be where the Sinn Féin um, opposition came from. And yesterday they labelled this a budget for landlords as opposed to renters. And the, the government countering that, saying that they have the, the renter's credit has gone up while the, the tax for landlords has gone down, it, that they're trying to find a balance there. So I think those, that housing criticism was always going to be there. And then another area that I thought was interesting that was criticised heavily yesterday, not only by um, the opposition parties, but also by some of the housing charities, is that there was not enough um, in this budget to help end child homelessness, child, uh, uh, children in homeless uh, services around the country. And while the budget the budget yes, today. The government really touted it as a budget for children, a budget for families because of all the measures that we've spoken about already. I think that is a fair criticism there that there hasn't been a huge amount of new measures aimed there to, to try and end that. There's about 4,000 children in emergency accommodation around the country and it looks like they'll stay there until the, the government can figure something out to get more houses built.
3: And very finally, uh, someone's asking about international aid or Irish aid is what it's officially referred to. This is the money Ireland sends to foreign countries that may be in war uh, or, or, or the areas that is going to increase
5: isn't it yes there is a small increase in that in the department of foreign affairs um, budget and we have a briefing with the department of foreign affairs later on and the minister uh Michal martin but i think that's going to be an area that has got it will get a lot of attention because we a lot of attention because we see um wars breaking out across the world now the moment the situation in israel mm-hmm. the situation in between russia and ukraine and i think That was something that was really kind of overshadowed overshadowed the minister's speech yesterday and that he repeatedly pointed out that there is global uncertainty and that any Ireland is such an open economy that any conflict anywhere in the world can impact our economics here because we trade with so many people and we trade so widely so I think that the the global situation really did have an impact on the minister's budget yesterday.
3: OK Adam we'll leave it there because I know you must get to a number of briefings so uh, thanks for joining us this morning outlining some uh, of the main points from the budget yesterday Thank you that is Adam Higgins there uh, who is the political correspondent with the Irish Sun
4: Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103. Court today
3: on C103. A number of tax changes were announced in the budget yesterday, but what do they all mean? Well, the tax nerd Maureen O'Driscoll joins me to break down all of this. Good morning to you, Maureen.
6: Good morning. How
3: are you? I'm fine, and Thanks for joining us. Now, yesterday we heard how personal, employee, PAYE and earned income tax credits, that they're all going to be increased by €100 each. But many people, while it all sounds good, they don't really know exactly what this means. And a lot of us are just so busy in our daily lives running back and forth. People don't check. So what exactly does this mean when they say things would increase by
6: €100 each? yeah so so that's the tax credits so that means that a tax credit reduces your tax bill so that means that hundred euro is the exact tax saving that you'll make now it doesn't start until january so it'll apply from when you get first paid in january when you look at your pay slip you should notice that you're paying a little bit less tax um, where your tax credits are they'll be slightly bigger so tax credits are your friends so the more tax credits you have the better so they'll be increased by 100 euro for your personal tax credit or 100 euro as you said for your earned income if you're self-employed or paye if you are an employee so that's 200 euro straight away automatically you don't need to do anything that will just automatically automatically apply when you get paid um And then in contrast to that, so there is also an increase in the income tax band. So that just means you can earn more at the lower rate before having to move into the higher rate. So you can now earn up to four, sorry, in 2024, Instead of earning 40 grand and then moving into the higher rate, you can earn up to 42,000 before moving into the higher rate. So, obviously, if you earn less than 40,000, this won't make a difference to you. But if you are earning over 42,000 next year, you'll have a tax saving of the tax amount of that 2,000. So, unlike the tax credit, so it's increased from 40 to 42. So, that doesn't mean you get a two grand tax saving. It means that you can earn more, you can earn two grand more. So 20% essentially of the two grand is the actual tax saving, which is 400 euro. So you will um, notice an
3: increase in your, in your pay package just due to those tax changes.
6: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that will automatically happen.
3: And then the minister said he's reducing the 4.5% rate of the USC to 4%. Now, this is the first reduction in the USC rates in, I think, about five years. And it's something every worker hates when you look at your payslip and you see the USC oh. charge. And it's like a tax on yeah. top of another tax. So uh, while we not want it to be there, it is there. But still, this will make some, though not only uh, a small reduction, it will still make some type of difference to the payslip.
6: Yeah, absolutely. It actually makes a big difference. Now, this one isn't um, as clear cut on the savings per person. This depends on how much you earn um, to see how much you'll save. So, essentially, the USC rates are staggered. So, there is an amount you earn, and that's like 25,000 to 70,000 of your salary that is taxed. This year at four and a half percent but next year will be reduced to four percent so that can have substantial savings for people i did a quick calculation i think for someone earning um 50 grand and it's about 130 euro and i was looking at some not a higher rate on about 80 80 grand and it's closer to 200 euros so um and, and again across the board if someone earns um Below that obviously that they they'll have a saving there, so there's there's kind of a saving there for everyone in proportion to your earnings, essentially, so yeah, that's very welcome. Um, and well. then
3: something that was actually mentioned yesterday as part of the budget, but I know it's something that uh, you as well would hope people would do more of. This is our tax credits that we can claim for. And as part of the budget, the rent tax credit, that has been increased from €500 Euros per year to €750 Euros per year. But you have to claim this tax credit back. And it was mentioned that people haven't already claimed it back over the last year, and they were encouraging people to go on uh, to the revenue website and do so. Uh, is it How yeah. Have they made it easier, because I know I've tried it before myself and others have, and maybe on the desktop, it is easier to do so than on an app on a <laughs> phone. Uh, but you're always afraid that you're going to delete something and maybe mess up your tax credits. Uh, so uh, have they made it easier? Yeah. And for I'm mentioning the rent one, because that, that's the big one they want people to claim back on mm-hmm. because they haven't. Uh, but talk us through how you do this.
6: Yeah, so that, that's a great thing to point out, because even Michal mentioned himself that They want to encourage more people to claim their tax back. They have the money sitting in the, you know, in the account in the exchequer to give to people. So firstly, I encourage everyone to go and claim tax back on any of the additional tax credits you think you could be entitled to because, you know, you're entitled to do so. And, 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 you know to remove any fear of it but yeah on the rent tax credit so it is they do ask a lot of questions when claiming it back but i wouldn't be afraid of it i mean if you make a mistake you have four years to go back and amend it so it is quite straightforward when you go just go through the questions so if you're an employee you log into your my account on ros and you click the year you want to submit a tax return for and you just click through it's way easier these days to do you don't need a p60 or anything for example if you're claiming for 2022 Your earnings will already be there. So you just click through each of the sections until you get to section three, which is the tax credits and relief section. So all the tax credits and reliefs that you could claim are all in the same place including the rent tax credit, you select that and then you complete the questions um, which apply to you. So it will ask, um, are you claiming for yourself or is it for a child? Because you can claim if you're paying for your children who are in student accommodation. And you just go through each of the questions. It will ask you, are you receiving government support such as HAP? If you are, then you're not entitled to claim it. Um, so it just run through the questions. It does ask for information about the landlord. It asks for their PPS number and their address. You don't have to complete that information if you don't want to. Um, It can be up to the landlord to complete that, so you can leave that out. You then put in the details of your tenancy, so the address, and whether or not it's registered with the RTB, Um, And then you put in the amount and the date of your tenancy. So it is quite straightforward once you just go through the questions. There is one question that um, is asked that confuses people. It says, is the house your PPR? Um, And PPR just means is it your principal private residence? So is it where you live all the time? Um, Because obviously you couldn't claim if the rent was just for, I don't know, your holiday home in West Cork for the summer. Um, So that question, that's all it is. It's just, is this your PPR? Is it where you live all the time? Yes. Put in the amount and then the money goes into your account within a couple of days if you're entitled to it. So it is quite straightforward once you do it. And then it'll be the same every year then as well. Um, So 100% claim it and don't be afraid of making a mistake. Because as I said, if you do, you can go back and... um
3: amended from the year and also you mentioned we went through the rent tax credit there is every credit the same because there's a number of them out there from health to your occupation would it be the same process Mm. for most of them you go in you you select the the credit that you think you're entitled to and answer the questions then
6: yeah exactly And, and to be honest the rent tax credit asks the most questions the rest of them are way more straightforward so another big one is the health um, health expenses so you can claim 20% back on any health expenses it's really broad it covers everything from hospital and doctor visits to um, IVF treatment or any non-routine dental or if maybe you're celiac or diabetic you can get 20% back on those specialized foods Um, and all you do is put in the amount and upload the receipt if you have it so that that's even more straightforward so all the tax credits yeah they're all in that section and they said it's essentially just popping in the information and ticking submit. So it is very straightforward.
3: OK, well, I know on your own Instagram page, you do go through that online as well and indeed on TikTok. So you're known as the tax nerd and you can search for yourself on Instagram and indeed on TikTok. For the moment, uh, Marita we could chat to you all day about tax credits, but I must leave it there. But thanks for joining us this morning.
6: No problem, thanks so much for having me. Take care,
3: me. thank you. Moreno Driscoll there, the tax nerd, joining us just on the changes that were made for workers regarding tax yesterday in the budget. On uh, the way we'll have more on Budget 2024. A lot of uh, people have their different views on what was announced yesterday. We'll be hearing uh, from callers, texters and Whatsappers on that. A lot of commentary in over the last 30 minutes or so. Also Social Justice Ireland will be giving their view uh, on the budget because they gave a number of recommendations prior uh, to the budget but are they happy with what has come out? JP until one with Cork Today. Your views are welcome. Bernie taking those on the phone. 818 103, 103. Or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 862 103 103. You can email right across the show, Cork Today at C103.ie. A lot of reaction to our discussion on budget 2024. Uh, with both Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun and indeed uh, Moraid O'Driscoll, who was known as the tax nerd, explaining the differences that it will make to those who work and who can claim tax credits back, and will see a reduction somewhat anyhow uh, within their tax uh, and payslip more so over the next uh, year or so uh, on this and on the social welfare payments, uh, some reaction coming into us. Mike is in Bantry. Mike feels the 12 euro extra, it's good and it's fair, but he said 20 euro extra would have made a big difference to those who rely on this, says Mike, who was in Bantry. And uh, somebody else on text saying they don't understand what, indeed, the government are trying to achieve by giving a few bob to people in the budget and increasing the minimum wage. Prices will just go up automatically, says this person, after a week or two. And we're back to square one. Why can't they tackle the cost of living in general to benefit everyone? We're the most expensive country in Europe for everything at this stage, energy, groceries, childcare, fuel, insurance, alcohol, and very little is being done about it. We would all benefit if the state had the guts to protect its citizens from getting ripped off all the time, says the person on text to 86 Also on text, Tim says he is a new pensioner for years. He has been unhappy with the slant on social welfare. It is never specified when the increase starts, but it is usually the following April for some of the welfare payments. And indeed, when the fuel allowance is going to be deducted for the summer. Uh, People will not benefit until next September, feels Tim like the childcare reduction. Apart from that, he appreciates the tax benefits to workers, but they are too late. For him, uh, says Tim, uh, making the point on social welfare and a lot of people inquiring about when the state pension is increasing and when some of those social welfare benefits would increase. Well, uh, as Adam Higgins outlined, there is a number of briefings being held right about now uh, in Leinster House for all the various departments to say when the dates will be released for those and they will be made available over the next while. But... For the state pension, the €12 Euros that you will receive a week will increase next year and they are looking at January. So in January, most of the social welfare payments will be increasing in January along with the state pension. So for Tim, that will uh, help you on your date there as it does for many others who have been texting in. And regarding the feudal allowance, there will be dates given on when they will end the feudal allowance coming up to the summer months and we'll give those to you when we get them. Uh, either, not today, uh, tomorrow, but they are being discussed right at the moment in briefings in the doll, and we will get those or indeed within Lter house, and when we get those we 'll bring them to you now Sheila wants to know if we can tell her if home heating oil is going up, it is Sheila because it 's part of the carbon tax which will hit home heating oil, and that will see an increase uh, kerosene is the most popular oil it seems for home heating oil, and if you were getting a nine hundred liter tank of kerosene oil it 's going up roughly by nineteen euros and forty cents so that 's a huge uh, or a big increase anyhow, that's because of the impact of the carbon tax. We expect home heating hold to go up and that would also have be going up along with petrol and diesel and other factors like coal, which we spoke about earlier in the show. Uh, Podrick, though, was making the point that carbon tax only makes sense. We must move away from our pollution ways, but this money must be ring-fenced for eco-schemes like native woodland and habitat creation, uh, says Podrick on text to 86 And the texter here is saying, hi JP, once again, the budget is more of the same. Nothing for working people or cost of living, again, all about social welfare, feels this texter, and parents, which is ridiculous and doing nothing for the economy economy with the VAT rate increase, uh, feels a person on text. And another texter in the West Cork area feels they are delighted with the extra support in social pay and the minimum wage. But what about our farmers in our society? They weren't even looked at. Who puts out our meat? Uh, vegetable dairy products on our table every day. Uh, farmers do this and they were pushed aside again in this budget, says this texter. Asking what do they expect farmers to live on? It was a shameful budget for our farmers in our society that provides food uh, to. All our shops every day, uh, says that Texter on uh, WhatsApp regarding the agri community on Texter. WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. You can always get in contact with us via the C103 app as well. You can download that from the App Store. But we were out and about again this morning getting views of what you thought of the budget. And there were mixed views this morning on the streets of Ballincolleg.
1: Of course, they caught the usual, like the cigarettes. But I do smoke. Yeah, so do you know it's crazy, like you but in one way, like to encourage it and like maybe to time to give them up.
2: USC was brought in to bail out the bankers in 2008 and here we are 15 years later and myself my partner are paying about €5,000 a year. So I think that should be scrapped completely.
3: Yes, and I think a lot would agree regarding the USC. We would love to see that go missing off our payslips. The views there this morning from those in Banning colleague, And a text that came in just as we were finishing up with Adam. uh, And this is regarding uh, a comment that was made yesterday. It was on television. Now, I didn't see the actual broadcast, but it was on the RT coverage of the budget uh, before the actual budget took place yesterday afternoon. Uh, And this texter is saying, uh, will Sinn Féin be taken Taking any action over Paulrick McLaughlin saying his party colleague Pierce Doherty would put manners on the Don Deputy deputy Gael deputy Jennifer Carl McNeil uh, well on that and if you weren't aware of what happened with that situation, uh, Fine Gale is hit out at uh, Sinn Féin's Mike Lachlan, for using what uh, they describe as menacing language towards uh, their junior finance minister Jennifer Carl McNeil. Uh, and this texter that is highlighting this is asking: Is there any action taken? As far as we know as yet, I don't see any action taken by Sinn Féin uh, on what he said regarding putting manners on her. Uh, and this occurred during a debate. So. I didn't see the debate. I don't know. Was it just one of those heated debates where things got heated? And 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 but then if if a negator coming up, maybe they're they're not happy. Uh, the, Patrick McLaughlin, he's a Donegal TD, first in Fein, and he uh, said that his party colleague Pierce Doherty, in the height of the, of the debate, it seems, would put m- manners on uh, Miss McNeil. And the reason he said this was because when they were uh, debating about these tax changes that we're discussing, uh, she said introducing the tax changes, she was showing the benefits of them and how people will be, you know, making more money out of all the various changes they're making to tax. And he reacted uh, to her and then she told him that she could show him the figures if she wanted and that she could take him through what the benefits would be for people. And then after that, it's where the the comments came in. uh, And there was a tit for tat between both of them on television. Uh, Sofina Gayle looking for something to be done. uh, And as yet, I haven't seen anything that Sinn Féin are going to uh, bring or, or, or talk to him about that. Now, it, it did happen yesterday. Maybe things will change over the next while. Uh, but that is the latest on that story, that debate that was on TV yesterday afternoon. And also, as I mentioned, RTE there. Uh, Neve is asking, did they mention if they are giving money to RTE in the budget yesterday? Well, the Arts Minister, Catherine Martin, has confirmed. Now, I didn't hear it mentioned yesterday within the two speeches or indeed afterwards in any of the briefings, but she actually went to, uh, on the social media app, X, which was formerly known as Twitter. And she did say yesterday evening that RTE will receive 16 million euros in interim funding as part of the supplementary estimate process for their funding. And then she went on to say that further funding beyond this will be provided after RTE reveals its new vision into the future. Now, therefore, they're not going to set what amounts RTE will receive uh, by way of exchequer funding in the budget, but there is a reference to 18 million euros for RTE included in the summary public capital programme a normal part of the budget today documentation and uh, this would be used where they look at the capital investment into RTE to fund RTE's own resources including uh, the proceeds of any land sales and also the capital investment into their studios at the RTE player uh, to or in which is the transmission network uh, cameras and other technologies so that would be invested into there that was mentioned in the budget, and then they will receive the 16 million euros part of the interim funding. But the extra money uh, that Many are asking how much will they need. That hasn't been confirmed as yet, and that will be dealt with outside of the budget. But £60 million anyhow, is what they are getting so far, uh, RTE, to, to run the, the station there. Uh, your views are welcome on that. 0818 103 103. R&D, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103 On the way, uh, on the budget, Social Justice Ireland, they gave a number of recommendations prior to the budget on what should go up. And we've heard people this morning who are making similar points to what Social Justice Ireland gave the government prior to the budget. We'll speak with Susan Rogers very shortly on that. Also, more on Bantry, which is set to become a dementia friendly town. A number of measures are already in place, and we'll hear more about that before midday. And we're going gardening with Peter Doddall after twelve thirty. If you have any questions for Peter, get those into us. You can call Bernie on O eight one eight one oh three one oh three or email Cork Today at C one oh three And also still to come, ITV have come out and they say they will continue to work with Holly Willoughby after she announced she would not be returning to present this morning on the channel. She quit the daytime show yesterday after 14 years. It comes after a lot of problems for the broadcaster and indeed Holly Willoughby over the last year but she has come out to say that this decision is for herself and her family and she thanked broadcaster ITV and she thanked all the viewers. Of course um, she was in the news last week because of a man who was arrested who threatened to kidnap her and indeed murder her Uh, and thankfully obviously that did not happen but still I think she's weighing up all the options after that and it has been a tough year uh, for that particular programme as well so we'll hear more about that which seems to be a water cooler talking point at the moment for many people this morning so that and more to come between now and one and also for those who are inquiring have been texting us uh, over the last while we have not forgotten about this regarding the temporary closure of the Bantry Mental Health Unit Uh, that is located on the grounds of Bantry Hospital. We are looking into this and if we don't get to something before one o'clock today, we will look into that on the show tomorrow. Uh, But our lines are open and indeed you can always contact us uh, via the C103 app. You can email us via the app. You can download that now from the App Store.
4: C103 Jobs.
3: Ashgrove Renewables require a technical support administrator for their office in Mallow. Experience in customer support and admin is desirable. You can send your CV to HR at ashgrove.eu. O'Flynn and Tobin in Newmarket are hiring for a shop assistant and shop assistant delivery driver. You can call them on 029 60572 or email your CV to and Tobin at gmail.com. And Hallisey and partner solicitors in Bandon require... Legal secretary. You can email your CV and a cover letter to Ted Hallisey at hplaw.ie. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward
0: slash job. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
7: Text or WhatsApp Patricia
4: with your comment 086 2103 Report today on C103.
3: We continue to look at how people are impacted by the budget yesterday. Suzanne Rogers joins me from Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you, Suzanne.
7: Good morning. Thanks for having us.
3: And thank you for joining us. First of all, overall, with the measures outlined in the budget, were you happy?
7: Um... (laughs) The, the What's the worst answer in the world? Isn't it yes and no? Yeah. Um. So I suppose you know. Again, it was, there's a lot in it. Uh, I suppose what we what we really noticed was we had so much resources. So we had so much talk of budget surplus. We have, you know, headlines talking about full employment. Again, we could argue about what that means. We have record tax takes. I appreciate corporation tax wasn't quite what was expected, but we had we had money to play around with. So then the question always becomes, well, you know, what do we do with these resources? Who do we value? Where do we put our our um, our, our emphasis? So with, say, something like the social welfare, again, it seems to be going back to a lot of these one-off measures. Like when I actually went down through it, huge amount of one-off measures. I appreciate it must be difficult in one hand to try and put money back in people's pockets, and in the other hand, not to put so much money back into the economy that you're going to fuel inflation. So I don't know, <laughs> I actually don't know how you do that. Fair, You know what I mean? Like who would be a politician in this kind of space? So like, that's a really, really difficult ask. Um, and it's, you know, I suppose, again, even when you, when you go down through the small print, when you go down through the nitty gritties, there's a huge amount in it. Uh, I suppose we would like to have seen maybe more of an emphasis on, on providing services and possibly less on the tax cuts and the USC, those kind of things. or You know, looking at different ways of moving tax around, I think we would have preferred to see that.
3: And on the one-off payments, many feel while they are welcome, they will get family. Even on
2: a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
3: who Mm -hmm. may be stuck in debt out of that debt for a very short period of time but overall for a year it may not do a lot but on the increase in social welfare payments I know you at Social Justice Ireland were looking for a lot more but given the fact we have Mm -hmm. a corporate taxes on the way down the economies of the world are slowing down uh, do you think the 12 euros is enough even though you wanted a lot more?
7: I, again, I appreciate. Like I, you're right. Like when you look at the sort of the geopolitical structures, you know, we're we're in a world that we weren't even in this time last week. So things change very, very quickly. I think the bottom line, though, is people's purchasing power has been so badly impacted by the rising prices of the last couple of years. And whilst yes, inflation has hit every single household in the country, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Everybody's fuel bill has gone off, up, up, everybody's food bill has gone up, but those on the lowest incomes tend to be, they actually their inflation rate is actually higher than the average because A, they spend most of their money, they don't tend to save it or invest it, and B, they do tend to spend most of their money on the basics, on the food and the fuel. So the 12 euro, when you look at it from what you can actually buy with it, it isn't enough because it needed to be at least 25 in order just to be able to stand still, just to be able to put the same basket of goods on the table as you were a year ago or two years ago. So really, this is again more households who are going to really struggle now coming into the winter, even with those one-off payments, because as you're right, like they were talking about if you divide those lump sums up by 52, they equal X amount per week. But I, when they're gone like I, I know my, I would prefer a pay rise than a bonus because at least I can build on a pay rise the next pay rise would build on that so when those lump sums are they're gone they're washed through pretty quickly very welcome they will make a huge difference but when they're washed through very quickly we were pleased to see things like the child benefit being extended whilst children are still in second level education even you know up to the eight like the 18, like that extension out was brilliant. Um, but there was no, there was not very few rates, rate rises within the social welfare system to the core rate. And is I said, the 12 euro really isn't enough.
3: And within that, when you mention children, one in seven children in this country are living in poverty. Do you feel that Budget 2024 did not contain the measures that would tackle child poverty right across Ireland?
7: Like the, the Child Poverty and Wellbeing Office within the Department of the Taoiseach released its programme plan there during the summer. And one of its points is that this was going to be a child poverty budget that departments would have to show, you know, in their budget lines how it was going to make a difference to, to child poverty. And it is about money, but it's about more than money. So what we saw really was, again, there was no... No increases to the core rates. you know that week after week after week after week, people need certainty. We need to know that we have X amount coming. as you said, those lump sums welcome, but they will wash through very quickly. We didn't really see much in the in the way of housing, which I think is fundamental every single month we seem to have record homelessness figures, record homelessness figures for children and I'm I'm afraid that we're going to become so inured to it that we'll be celebrating when we only have a thousand children in homelessness accommodation or we only have 700 children. Like there should be no difference between what's acceptable and what's accepted and yet we've got this widening gap, you know, all the time and um, children in direct provision there was no mention. Now I had looked through sort of the small detail that I might be something there for them if I can figure out how it all joins together. Uh, you, you know, th- there was a commitment, I suppose, to the mental health supports, um, the school places and the, the SNAs and, you know, extra teachers. But schools around the country are finding it very difficult to recruit teachers because there's no housing. So it's all kind of connected, I think. You know, it's going to be very difficult to impact on On child poverty, maybe through the education system, if a teacher who's on a basic teacher salary can't actually afford to live anywhere near the school. So it's it needs to be really, really joined up. So it wasn't quite the child poverty budget that I thought it was going to be.
3: And as you mentioned there regarding housing and even a teacher who can't live near the school, I think that could be said for every Mm. single profession right across Ireland where companies are finding it tough to relocate staff or even obtain staff due to the housing issue, which was one of the biggest concerns from the opposition. They were unhappy with this measure of the budget. And even though money was allocated to the Department of Housing uh, with the money allocated, it's how they spend that money. And no matter what they get, Monetary-wise, you have to build houses for people to live. And that's where the concern is, not enough are being built.
7: That's really key, I think, is that not enough are being built. And from our point of view, our targets are too low anyway. So even if we achieve our targets, it's still not going to be enough. So when we look at who's on the housing list for, for, for social housing, who's in HAP, who's in RAS, who's in Rent Supplement, that's already about 160,000 units. Then you're not even counting people maybe trying to come out of direct provision. I'm very conscious, um, you know, people came here from Ukraine. I would imagine with the idea that they were going to go back in a very, very short space of time, we're almost two years into that. Now, Come was it February 2024? People will have been here maybe for two years. I don't think they expected that. I don't think we expected that. If these families bed in and stay here long term, we need to accommodate them. We need to accommodate like the serious amount of young people who can't actually leave home. You know, we've a really high rate in this country of people under 30 and under 40 who are still living in their childhood bedrooms. So it's all of those things. So even if we reach the targets that government have, it still won't be enough. <laughs>
3: The minimum wage which impacts the low workers, something yourselves as Social Justice Ireland have been raising over the past while, that is increasing. I know it's up €1.40 to €12.70, while some smaller businesses will be concerned with this. Uh, Do you welcome this move and seeing the minimum wage increase?
7: Absolutely. And we would be hoping that we will be slowly moving or well, ideally quickly moving towards the living wage. And the clue should be there in the title. The national minimum wage, like social welfare, is just an arbitrary figure. Living wage is has been calculated out to say, what do you need to earn every hour to be able to provide a basic, decent standard of living? So if the national minimum wage is about two euro an hour less than that, People are having to go without. We've 133 and a half thousand people in this country who are working full-time, who are still living in poverty. So absolutely we would welcome the move up to national minimum, you know, from the national minimum wage to a living wage.
3: And just when we mentioned the one-off payments there, one of those is the energy credits. And we know with the carbon tax, uh, we'll see fuel on the increase. And indeed, uh, that will more than likely lead to an increase over time in energy prices. Uh, Coal, for example, a bag of coal will go up as well uh, overnight. So with all of these changes, the energy credits are welcome. But will they help the families who most need it? Would you rather see a targeted approach to credits like this?
7: for me, the whole energy thing is a much, much bigger conversation. We need to be looking at the BER ratings of our houses across the country, especially our social housing and retrofitting, making our homes more energy efficient, making them, I suppose, looking at our energy generation, looking at solar panels, looking at wind, all of those kind of things, really readying ourselves because I suppose what we're doing is we're we're just simply, we're we're consistently subsidising Um, energy companies. As you said, the prices continue to go up. We're continuing to find these bills difficult to pay. According to Mabs and Vincent DePaul, the last time I I was in a room with them, they are seeing like really, 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 really high levels of arrears. So people actually going into the winter with really high levels of arrears. They haven't actually managed to clear off last winter. Summertime is usually when you kind of go, oh, that's great. I can switch off the heat. I don't put the light on very much. I can reduce my energy usage to the to the summer, either build up a bit of a reserve or clear out last winter's arrears. So I think, is it the CRU I think as well? I, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm, hedging my bets you know I think they said there was a quarter of a million households in arrears with their energy bills going into this winter so that's already disturbing and people have very high rates of arrears which can be really really difficult to to budget your way through so again as you said the energy crowds are really really welcome but it's not actually tackling these huge bills that we're getting like you're getting households that are have, have no idea the size of the bill that's going to come through. You know, usually you'd have a rough idea you kind of go I'll put X amount off per week that usually covers my bill and then they were getting these extraordinarily high bills. Like That's very, very difficult to to, to deal with and I think Again, it's the household. So there's a big difference between cutting back and cutting out. So maybe having the heat on for an hour less a day, that's completely different from having no heat for four days out of the seven, you know, so it's 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 definitely in that space where I think we need to be looking definitely bigger picture. But ultimately, it's about you and me and our homes and how comfortable we are. So as you said, the energy credits are, are definitely welcomed.
3: Indeed. Well, for the moment, uh, Suzanne, we'll leave it there. And thank you for joining us this morning with your reaction to Budget 2024. Thank you. Thank you. That is Suzanne Rogers there joining us from Social Justice Ireland.
4: Cork Today on C103.
3: An information evening on building a dementia inclusive community in Bantry will take place this Friday in the town. Uh, Teresa Bohan is an advanced nurse practitioner at the dementia services within Bantry Hospital and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Teresa.
1: Good morning. How
3: are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. So far, a lot, Teresa, has been achieved in Bantry to make the town dementia-friendly. I know we spoke earlier in the year to workers who received training on what it would be like to live with someone with dementia and also a memory cafe was set up all in the last year. So a lot happening there. Yes,
1: a lot happening. Yes, um, if you may recall, we had um, another... uh, first information evening back last year in May of last year and a lot of these initiatives have come on the back of that. The Memory Cafe um, started there in February and it's a safe environment for people with memory issues and with a diagnosis of dementia and their carers can come along and um, in a safe environment and have a social event really and can talk to healthcare professionals and so forth. And then during the summer, then, there's been a lot of work done with the local businesses in Bantry with um, training and how to talk to people with dementia and how to keep them engaged in their community. And that's what we're trying to achieve here in Bantry, an inclusive um, environment for people who have a diagnosis of dementia and their carers, because there is, I suppose, a Bit of stigma still attached, and by in, increasing awareness in the community, they can help the person with dementia and their families to stay connected with their own communities.
3: And Dungarvan was the first uh, dementia friendly town in Ireland. Is Bantry looking to follow
1: Dungarvan? Yes, yeah, we are, and there's a few other towns around the country. Kind of, it's a movement really towards. Dementia inclusive communities. So yeah, Bantry would be trying to follow in Dungarvan's steps in that sense. Um, our information evening tomorrow is we're going to speak on what where we have come. Um, we're going to have a few talkers, Dr. Kerry, the consultant geriatrician here in Banktree, myself uh, in the dementia memory service in the hospital, and there's going to be a little video from a person who's living with dementia, and he's taught on how um, an inclusive community helps him, and we're going to have a kind of um, feedback on how we see this strategy going forward, and we're looking for feedback from people living, the businesses, uh, coffee shops, um, community groups, the churches, to um, come along, and we like their opinion and how they see this um, movement going forward.
3: Yeah, so you'd like to see groups and organisations to attend tomorrow evening, and that's going on in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry, and we'll give you more details in, in a while on that. Uh, but the information that will be given is for all parts of the community, really, Teresa. Yes. And it's so that people who are living with Dementia and their families, that they know they are part in and, and a valued part of the wider community there in Bantry, and that that then, what you're doing in Bantry, can be reflected and maybe taken up in other towns across Cork.
1: Yes, that would what I'd be hoping to do. That it will be taken up across across Cork and across the rest of the countries. Like if if there's a better awareness out there, I do think we will destigmatise um, the diagnosis of dementia, and that they're all um, part of the communities that they live in, that they are um, active in their communities and engaged, and you know they, that they will be welcome members of society because pre this. It, they could be isolate themselves from the communities and people just didn't understand. The disease really and that's all kind of part of it.
3: Yeah, just to make people aware and indeed understand and just speaking of awareness, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, they're going to be in Bantry they're going to be in the grounds of Bantry General Hospital and also they're going to be on New Street to further raise awareness so people can ask them questions and, and talk to them on this is that happening as well tomorrow?
1: Yeah, that's happening tomorrow, I'm hoping they'll be outside Bantry Hospital in the morning between 10 and 12 and then they're going down to the Bantry Town Din in the afternoon between two and four. So like there's a lot of um, push. Then the, our meeting is on at, uh, at seven, between seven and nine. And I really would encourage um, communities, groups, uh, businesses, coffee shops, shops um, in Bantry community to come along and to kind of give us their feedback and where they would like to see Bantry going. Like you know, we, and we, like with the first meeting back last year, like that was much driven by what the community wanted. They were looking for some place where people with dementia could visit the memory cafe. That was set up on that, and now we have the training during the summer, and that will continue as well. So, like this is all leading on, and hopefully, um, we'll have a positive um, outcome tomorrow.
3: And businesses in Bantry really got behind this, Teresa, because obviously for a business to train somebody up and take them away from behind the counter or wherever, you know, it may cause some disruption. But they have taken to this. And I know we spoke to staff who were involved and they 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 kind of enjoy the experience to get an understanding of what it would be like if someone did come into their store with dementia. And for those maybe who understand the person who's living with a person with dementia at home and what they're going through.
1: Yes, yes. Um, it seems to have kind of gone very well with the various businesses during uh, in Bantry. I get some free um, training. Vanessa um, Bravery, the Dementia Advisor from the Irish Alzheimer's Society, and Sarah Kearns, um, a Dementia Educator, are rolling it out. And they kind of work around business hours or they're very facilitating whenever um, the business can release people. Um, to their training it 's about two hours and it's two se- it's over two sessions, so what we 're hoping is um Fiona Foley from the National Dementia office is coming down tomorrow night and she 's going to present um, a pack um to the people who have completed their um, training um, and in this pack there 's a sticker uh, you may be called back in March um uh, the Minister Butler, uh, she launched the National Domestic Inclusive Community Symbol. So this will be presented and they will have the sticker that they can place on their, the windows of their businesses. So say people from outside Banktree Tree um, will recognise this symbol and they will recognise that this business has had training in uh dementia awareness and that it will help them. So um look it'll will, it'll will hopefully it all um um will Branch out to the different communities around the country, um, hopefully from this. I'd be hoping. Yeah,
3: hopefully at Whale, and you have plenty of contributors as well tomorrow night there. So, best of luck with the event, Tree It's on at the Maritime Hotel from 7 to 9 tomorrow evening in Bantry. And do people just turn up if they wish to attend?
1: Anyone, as I said, various businesses, um, and I'll keep restating that, but yeah, just turn up and you'll be more than welcome.
3: Okay, well, best of luck with the events, uh, Teresa, and indeed with, with everything you're doing there in Bantry with regard to at the town becoming dementia friendly
1: but thank you very much Take
3: care Thank you Teresa Bohan there uh, joining us from Bantry Hospital on what is happening there uh, to make Bantry more inclusive that again tomorrow evening at the Maritime Hotel in Bantry it starts there at 7 o'clock It's Cork today with the JP until 1 Bernie standing by taking your comments right now 0818 103 103 by phone and indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot of calls and comments in regarding the budget we'll get to those shortly but ahead Peter dodd lot. La- from 12.30. He'll be answering all your gardening questions and also ahead of that we'll be speaking with our showbiz man Crossy as yesterday in the world of TV amidst the budget and all the different breaking news stories Holly Willoughby decided that she was going to quit presenting this morning. That and more to come uh, between now and one but A lot of reaction to the budget uh, yesterday. First of all, uh, we were speaking to a listener on WhatsApp earlier on and they were all lying that they felt that farmers have been pushed aside. Is how they felt on on this budget. Uh, Jessica says, yes, I do feel there was not a lot included for the farming community. While indeed they will benefit from all the various uh, tax breaks, Uh, more should have been done to ensure that we continue to produce quality food in this country. Another person on WhatsApp saying, I agree 100% with your earlier listener on the social pay and the minimum wage. And of course, free books in education is good. But what good also are once-off payments? Is it not better to give extra supports every week than once-off payments? And on the other hand, then, farmers, yes, this person is a farmer and she feels that we were pushed aside. Only for farmers, we certainly would have food or no food provided to everybody daily if farmers weren't around. Thank you for your WhatsApp. Dan, feels that the total budget effort by the government is a cynical bluff, he says, i.e. 25% on childcare next September when it is needed immediately. Similarly, the energy benefits of 450 to multi-millionaires, same as someone on social welfare. A total bluffing exercise feels Dan for votes, in his opinion, which they won't get. The young are being crucified and will respond at election time and shame on the hypocrisy critical ministers who came up with the budget. Dan's view on text to 0862103103. and then Mary in Mitchellstown who uh, has applied for the feudal allowance. She cannot get the feudal allowance as you'll be aware. The feudal allowance is means tested. So Mary lives with a family member who is working uh, so she can't get the feudal allowance because that, that family member is in her home and living with her. Now she is a widow and she finds it very very unfair that this is the case for her and she is in her late seven and has to keep the house warm all day. Uh, but still, because of her situation in her home, uh, she cannot access or get the feudal allowance uh, due to the means testing and the rules and regulations on the feudal allowance, which she feels is unfair. Thank you, Mary, for your call and hope you are well there. I and unable uh, to keep that house warm uh, Michael is in Castle tamba uh, on the budget yesterday Michael feels it leaves more questions to be asked rather than answers from a position that our finances are in it was a very unimaginative budget feels Michael pushing four billion into a rainy day fund could be more imaginative by building accommodation blocks for students beside universities like wise accommodation blocks for all in the medical maybe medical staff get the same and construct those beside hospitals. Now, that would be wise. These constructions then would be there for years to come. Uh, Michael's view on the budget in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then Peter uh, in touch asking when will they be getting the working payment bonus and the extra fuel money this year? Well, Peter, the exact date as yet for those has not been given. Um, at the moment, briefings are underway in Leinster House and this is the day usually we learn when the payments will be made and the dates given. Uh, so at the moment, we don't have an exact date. But I can tell you on what was issued yesterday is that the working payment bonus is to be issued in the winter of 2023. And if you look at last year, the bonus was paid in November. So I would imagine, again, it will be around the middle of November, that time frame as it was last year, that they will keep things usually every year. they, they pay out uh, on the same time of the same month of the same year. So I would imagine mid-November, Peter, uh, would be a good indication. But when we get clarification, we'll bring it to you. But I would go with that date at the moment if you are budgeting for your uh, months ahead. And when we get the funeral allowance uh, exact bonus date, we'll bring that to you too. At the moment, they're just saying winter 2023. When we get more exact information, we'll let you know. But uh, somebody else earlier was asking about the funeral allowance and the end date for the funeral allowance. They say we are never told when it ends. Well, I can tell you that the feudal allowance in date for next year, 2024, is expected to be Friday the 5th of April. It's when the feudal allowance will end for next year uh, in 2024. And now some other calls that are in to us on various and different issues. First of all, this is Timothy in Clannacilty. And Timothy uh, said that last Friday the tricolour has been flying over the courthouse in Clonacilty but Timothy feels that the tricolour should be taken down before the hours of darkness and put up again the next day. It should not be flying in the dark because Timothy was an army man so he's aware of this. So Bernie was checking into this and the rules around flying the tricolour at night and it seems from various government departments and they're all saying the same thing, that the national flag will be flown in accordance with the guidelines from the Department of Taoiseach. And the Department of Taoiseach says that the flags, including our own national flag, may remain flying at night if they are lit. If lighting is not in place or not operational, then the flags should only be flown from sunrise to sunset. So there we are. wasn't aware of that, but there you go. You learn something new every day. Every day is a school day, as they say. Anyhow, Timothy and in Kilty, uh not too sure. And I should know if the, I, I pass it off enough, the, the courthouse in clan uh Driving uh to uh, and around Clan when I'm home, so uh, I should be aware that if it's lit up or not. I can, for the life, recall if it does get lit up. If it does not get lit up, does the tricolour flying over the courthouse in Clan uh, do they light it up? Uh, and if not, according to the rules, it should not be flying. But then again, maybe in the defence of the person who was looking after it it does get dark a lot earlier and in the last few evenings initially it was around the 8 o'clock yesterday evening it was 7 o'clock when it was dark so maybe it was just something like that happened I am not too sure Uh, but there we are for your awareness if you are flying a tricolour and it's at night time you must have it lit up if it's not lit up you must take it down Uh, thank you for your call Timothy in clinical to Bernie on OH18103103 and Anne has emailed in and she's saying thanks for your company and a wet drive. Yes, not a good day to be on the roads. Uh, But she is very interested when we are talking about the budget and taxes and all of that, if something can be done to tackle the black economy. Because with discretion, she recently moved house and all the big expenses like movers and electricians and plumbers and engineers, uh, they all uh, might, she says, but more than likely, were cash jobs. They were asking for cash. So simply, she says, there is a whole economy going on where everyone is paying for cash jobs, but she resents that she pays tax on everything while some people are living off the tax grid and seriously massaging their incomes. This builds extreme resentment because everyone knows what's going on but people can't report it, says Anne. And it's not very easy to stand up to someone in your own house and tell them how you feel when they're doing a job for you. And exactly, uh, it's hard to do that. So Anne, thank you for your email, to court today at c103.ie. Would you agree with Anne? If you are getting jobs done, do you feel that more than likely you may be asked, do you want to pay by cash? Sometimes it can be cheaper by cash and people are happy to pay by cash. But then not Anne's point is that people are massaging their incomes and maybe they're even... To, maybe they are able to have a better lifestyle not saying they'll answer that but maybe some people are saying that they can have a better lifestyle by going down the black economy route Have you come across that you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 or email Cork Today at c103.ie
4: The C103 Cork Diary
3: With Cork
2: County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see Corkcoco.ie.
3: An open public meeting to revive the Clonacilty Special Olympics Club. That's going to be held this evening at 8 o'clock at the Clonakilty GEA Pavilion, everybody. So welcome to attend there. The voices of Cork Choir are holding an open rehearsal. That's on um, this evening at St. Patrick's School on Gardner's Hill. That's at 7.15pm. Everybody who wishes to go along is welcome to there at the St. Pat's tonight on Gardner's Hill. And Barry Garvin Community Association Outdoor Christmas Market is now taking stall bookings. And that market takes place at Bally Garvin Community Centre on Sunday, November 26th from 11am to 2pm and you can check stallability availability and contact Elaine for more information or indeed visit Bally Garvin Community Association. You'll find them on Facebook. And if you want to advertise your event on the Cork Diary, you can do so. Email diary at c103.ie.
0: Email Patricia now with your story or comment.
2: Cork today at c103.ie.
3: Cork today
4: on C103.
3: And just the final few comments in on the budget. Uh, Fimber is saying that £2.5 billion has been set aside and this is to do with the Irish Aid and International Aid which we spoke earlier regarding uh, the budget with Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun. Uh, £2.5 billion has been set aside in 2024, says Fimber, for a war, well it's for International Aid as well, but he's saying a war uh, that has nothing to do with us. Meanwhile, people can't get access for a GP, they can't get hospital appointments or access to treatment, no extra bill put into hospitals. No money set aside for children's mental health services and for different uh, services within the industry. And also Finbar makes the point of the crisis today with petrol and diesel prices which have increased again. And we have families in hotel accommodation. He cannot understand uh, this and why I suppose there is money being allocated uh, to international aid and also uh, to those who are, are moving from war zones like Ukraine to Ireland. Money being set aside for that. Uh, Finbar just quite Questioning that because of the issues we have here in Ireland at the moment, and we spoke regarding the black market and the black economy and this was Anne who was paying a lot of people by cash because they wanted cash while well, she was moving house, she was paying uh, various people cash rather than paying uh, the the normal way where they would be taxed on what you know they earn. She feels people are massaging their incomes because of this. Well, it has raised the issue uh, of cash and cards coming back again on our WhatsApp. And a lot of people prefer cash, they say, because if they pay by card, they can incur extra charges. This is the voice note in.
7: Hello, JP.
1: I actually prefer to use cash rather than my card, because every time you use your card, the bank are going to charge you. And if we go cashless, we will have no choice but to pay whatever they ask of us because we won't have the option to use cash.
3: Thank you for your voice note. That's on the cash and card option. That's why some people choose cash. I think Anne's point is for traders then who are going and using cash only because they know they can make more money and it goes into the back pocket and there's no tax then going off to revenue on that. Your views are welcome. You can email Cork today at c103.ie. So, no more that tune for Holly Willoughby. She has announced she's quitting this morning after 14 years with the show. Our showbiz reporter Crossy joins us. Good afternoon to you, Crossy.
4: Wow, what a a time for that show. It's just, (laughs) it it has been a mad year that I, I probably think this time last year, they didn't think they'd be where they are right now. Like you probably at this stage couldn't make up half the things that went on. No, it's like that TV
3: show that's on Apple. I mean, some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes on that show, as you said, if you said it back in 2018, you would not think uh, that we would have a completely different lineup of presenters today than we had then. But on Hotties leaving the show, there's a lot more to that over the last week, because, of course, it comes in the wake of a man in the UK being charged with the alleged plot to kidnap and murder uh, the presenter.
4: Yes. So uh, the guy was arrested. uh, He's going to court uh, for doing just that. So uh, Holly took some time off and then an email went around to all staff from the, the DG of ITV saying Holly is going to be off. For the foreseeable future, we're not going to ask her back until she's ready to come back. It's time to be with her kids. And then, about maybe two o'clock yesterday afternoon, the decision was made from Holly and her camp that that's it. She's done. She's out of here. and um, I saw Piers Morgan this morning, go, kind of going through the whole statement that she made, and he says that the one line that stuck out for him was, "She's got a young family, and if someone is that crazy out there to plot to kidnap somebody." And you got young kids. The last thing you need is to have to deal with that. I saw other people saying, look, she's made of money. She's not going to be stuck for money. She's, you know, she can easily, you know, get rid of this morning and come back once a year or twice a year and do a game show or a holiday show or a documentary or whatever it is. So still have that, you know, that buzz, that happiness, that you know, what sort of certain presenters crave and still be able to, you know, bring the kids to school, relax around the kids and not have to worry. Like, it's an it's an awful thing to think about. And I think because um, if you look at the Jill Dando documentary that's on Netflix at the minute, yeah. that's on everyone's mind. You know, people are thinking about that going you can't just go ah there's a weirdo looking after me or there's a weirdo trying to plan my death when something like that is so fresh in people's minds so i actually think she made the right decision i i I would say it was probably going to come sooner or later minus this awful story that came out that you know i i don't think things have been right since the philip Schofield drama when when they got booed when her name got booed at the national television awards only a couple of weeks ago I think, you know, she probably realized maybe I need a break from this in the long term. And I, I, I would I would presume by Christmas, if that awful thing didn't happen in the last week, she probably would have stepped down because there's rotating presenters there. You, you literally do not know who's on every every day of the week. Like, you'll know Holly's on, but they were kind of, you know, putting a different presenter in each week. The rumor is they're revamping the show in January. So they've got till January to kind of figure out, you know, what's next for the show. Do they axe it? Do they give it a different name? You know, there's been so many rumors about what's been on, what's been going on behind the scenes, that it's not a nice place to work, that they all bitch at each other, that, you know, all those things. So the question is now, who is going to take it over? Are they going to have two actual hosts and then a couple rotating Or are they going to keep it like a kind of a pick-a-mix of God knows who's on today? Like currently, today I think it was Rochelle, who used to be in the Saturdays, and Craig Doyle. Yesterday it was Craig and Josie Gibson. Uh, Tomorrow is probably Dermot and Halston. So what, what does the person who's watching it every single day, are they happy with all that, or would they like a bit of stability? I would presume they'll pick two people for a Monday to Thursday job and steady the ship from January, and then when it comes to Friday, they'll be able to have, you know, your usuals, your Allisons and your Germans or whatever it is. But it's a wor- it's a worrying time for that because it is an iconic show. And even though most of us, most of us listening right now don't watch it but we'll see the TikToks we'll see the Twitter we'll see the Instagrams of it so it's kind of like you do know about it even though it's on at a weird time of the day Yeah and that's the way TV
3: has gone we do watch a lot of our content now afterwards just because the show is on in the morning doesn't mean people don't watch it in the evening via you know, demand and playback and as you said on TikTok and the inserts on Instagram uh, I suppose she as you mentioned there the Jill Dando documentary probably is in her head because it's out there at the moment and that one of the reasons that made her go earlier uh, when you watch it across if you have, and again, these are on the playbacks, it does get a bit awkward when they cross over to Ruth in Loose Women, knowing what Eamon Holmes, Ruth's husband, has been saying about Holly. You can nearly see it in their faces. So it, it, it had, something had to change. And, and, and this probably was the pushing point for them. Uh, so Davina McCall, when you mentioned possible presenters, she has been uh, quoted in the papers this morning. She could be a, a possible lineup for, for the new presenting lineup, maybe Craig Doyle or Ben Shepard.
4: Yeah, there's a, co- there's a couple of names doing the rounds at the minute. So at the moment, Alison, but I, I know a couple of people who adore Alison are saying, OK, she's maybe on a bit too much now, as in they love her. But, you know, you want an eclair, mm. but you don't want one every day. I always say that about everything in life. Like maybe, you know, <laughs> is Alison great on a Thursday and Friday because she's so happy and bubbly and all that? Um, Dermot O'Leary is also, his name has been mentioned, Ben Shepard, Um There was talk about him two weeks ago, like taking over a Monday to Thursday slot with Holly. Has that, is that now gone now because of it? Uh, Josie Gibson's two to one in the bookies. Um, who else is there? Allison is Evans, I think, as well. But there has been other names that have been rooted, mooted around. Others are Rylan and Emma Willis could Mm -hmm. take it over. So, you know, getting away from people who aren't even presenting it at the minute, Rylan was very popular on it uh, a couple of years ago, and Emma Willis is, you know, she's a class act. So could they just decide that, you know, let's keep those presenters that are on now and keep them on a Friday and put an Emma and a a Rylan on? Davina, do you know what? is she is she big is too big for the show would she do it every day of the week compared to you know like doing her documentaries and doing her her yeah. shows that probably won't have her working every single day um it's interesting it, it I, I would presume there are a lot of agents in london and in ireland as well giving phone calls to this morning now going look <laughs> we got this fella or this girl who'd be interested in doing it uh, it'd be a great gig like i know i used to know they used to get picked up at like 6 a.m in the morning Uh, the this morning presenters, and they still do probably. And yes, it's a long day when you think it's only like a two and a half hour show. They're in, they're up and out there, like out onto the road at 6am and they're finished at about three o'clock every day. So it's, oh, yeah, a, it's, it's a, a long L draft for a yeah. two hour
3: show. Yeah, like many shows on TV or radio, it's not just when it starts you've a long day at either side of it. Irish contributors, of course, um, and chefs on the show, Donald Skehan and Colin McKenna, they have sent Holly her love. And in her Instagram post yesterday, she thanked everybody who viewed her over the years. She referred Crossy. Uh, Back to the show's original presenters that they of course, who made this morning husband and wife duo Richard Madeley and Judy Finnegan when the show initially came from Liverpool. and What's something they always said was that they only look after the show. It belongs to the viewers. So you'd wonder, will ITV pick up on that and whatever they do in the future, uh, keep the viewers uh, to the forefront?
4: Yeah, I I think so. I think it's now back to basics. I think that show is so toxic now. They are going to try and, you know, Get it back to what it was. Bring it back, maybe to the Phil and Holly days before all the drama. Yeah, the Richard and Judy before all the drama. You know, I, I think the the massive issue was was that they were in the newspapers for all the wrong reasons, and I think people's ears had been changing over time. You know, maybe ten years ago, people didn't weren't online or reading gossip columns as frequent as they are now like they're not on tiktok finding out stories about disgruntled celebrities who were on shows and then all of a sudden the opinions are changing and all that sort of stuff so i would presume they will want someone very wholesome in there and someone probably that they can build up like is emma willis is she a safe pair of hands and rylan for the next couple of years craig doll has been doing really well Like, he he's been doing really yeah. well and a lot of people have been talking about uh, talking about how well he's been. So maybe maybe they just need a safe pair of hands for the next couple of months to get them back into what they were because it is that show that people like it's, a, it's a, a bit random you know one minute they're talking to a Queen the next minute they're talking about a dog who can bark <laughs> sideways <laughs> so you <Yeah>. know like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a random show but it seems it, it, it works it's just it's just going through a really difficult time at the minute
3: yeah but it has been one of the longest running daytime shows in television so I suppose that, that was bound to happen at one time or another and I mean it's, as you say back to basics Richard and Judy when they presented it they were loved by the audience Audience, as initially were Phil and Holly. So I think back to what the show was about when it was set up for the moment, Crossy, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you soon. Brent, top soon. Take care. Crossy there, our showbiz reporter joining us from our Dublin studios. Your gardening questions are welcome. Uh, Peter Dodal, the Irish gardener, joins us next. You can call us now with your questions to Bernie, 0818-103103. 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103.
4: Call Patricia with your comment. O eight one eight one oh three one oh three. To Cork today on C one oh three.
3: And as usual on a Wednesday, joined by Peter Doddall from theirishgardener.com. Good afternoon to you, Peter.
0: Good afternoon, John Paul, and how are you?
3: I'm fine, and a wet one today for the gardeners, and not many may be out, although it is supposed to dry up later. But anyhow, we've a lot of questions in, Peter, regardless, so let's get straight into them. And first of all, this is from someone who wants to know, is now the right time to separate rhubarb, and how do they go about it?
0: you know most years john paul i'd say yes but uh, it's so unseasonably warm or the temperatures are so unseasonably high uh things are, are kind of still going strong so i'd hold it off a while i'd wait for another few weeks it's very simple very straightforward you want really the plant to be dormant which is not yet uh so lift the stool out of the ground or the root system of the rhubarb out of the ground and you really just just with a, with a very sharp knife, strong, sharp knife, or even a sharp spade, you, you divide that rhubarb stool so that each, each piece of division has what's called an eye, which is like a growing bud, uh, or two or three eyes each would, would be better. Um, and it really is as straightforward as that, and, and plant them out again nearly straight away.
3: Okay, and also on that question, the person wants to know, can they cut back their shrubs now at the moment?
0: it's not it's not just as you can yes but it's not really quite as simple as just a, mm. a one line answer for all shrubs so it does depend on the shrubs but a good rule of thumb is yes you could but if they're spring flowering shrubs um then cutting them back now means you're going to be removing next spring's flowers so anything that's flowering let's say between kind of January and, and May you, I would say leave well alone because their flower buds are probably already on the plant. Uh, and anything that's flowering later than May, well, they'll flower on wood that's produced next year. So you could prune them all right. So later flowering ones you could prune now, let's say.
3: All right. And uh, somebody on WhatsApp here, they say they have a, a mop head pink hydrangea, which was in full bloom all summer. But then overnight in August, it got all withered and shriveled up looking. But they want to know what is the cause of this and why did this happen?
0: hard to say for sure without seeing it it could be one of two things and it's going to be more likely the first option because of the time of the year that it was we were having such a wet summer it probably just got too much too much rain and it just rotted if you like not the not the plant itself but the individual flowers it just got too wet uh, and some kind of superficial fungal infection would have put paid to it but I wouldn't worry about it the other option which is far less likely this year particularly in August would be drought damage so drought will do the same if the hydrangea dried out the flowers would shrivel up overnight as well but uh, that might have been a problem funnily enough if you had said it in september but uh, it certainly wasn't a problem in, in august i wouldn't have thought so more than likely too much rain because we've had a very very wet uh summer this year and i'd say that's what caused it. but again i wouldn't be worried in the least bit worried about it prune them off trim them back uh, and the, the, the plant itself will be fine
3: And Anna is asking regarding her tomatoes. She's looking for your advice with some cherry tomatoes. Now they have grown them in hanging baskets indoors and they are still green and they've had some that ripened earlier but they're wondering is it better to pick the remaining unripened ones and then find a way of using them up in cooking perhaps asks Anna.
0: It's always a difficult one to answer at this time of the year because we're kind of running out of sunlight. But again, like we've mentioned, it's it's warmer than normal for October. Um, and if they're growing indoors, I'd be inclined to leave them on it um, uh, and see if they ripen away naturally. It, it, your other option is obviously to harvest them early and you could, you know, green tomato chutney or something like that. Or what you can also do, which is brilliant, is just uh, cut the green tomatoes or, or the slightly red ones. And. Um, into a a brown paper bag with a banana and like magic it'll ripen them and turn them red. Um, So you can do that if you want or maybe do that with some of them and leave some on the bush so that you're not getting them all ripened at the same time. Uh, But my gut would be telling me leave them on the bush leave them on the plant for a bit longer.
3: Okay Anna hopefully that helps you and Nora's getting ready Peter for the autumn and for the winter and she wants to ask you how can she maintain mixed borders coming into the autumn now she has Rebecca she has uh, Verbinia and other plants uh, which she says are all long past their best so does she cut them all the way back to a few inches or leave them all die back naturally and secondly on that then she wants to know regarding the borders do they need to be topped up with compost or mulch to prepare for the winter asks nora
0: well i'd say to nora the second part of that question first i think the best thing you can do in the garden is the kind of mulching around these beds so uh you could mulch with like a you know composted bark or your own homemade compost mushroom compost any kind of organic matter that you can add to that soil you're doing it no end of good you're helping the soil which in turn will help the plants and you're, you're leading to an increase in, in soil microbe activity and, and earthworms, and you really are doing the best you can. So, yes, definitely uh, top up the, the the soil with anything to condition it and, and add more humus to it. Um, in terms of the, the Rebecca's and things like that, which are now going past their best, you have two options, really. The first option is do nothing. So any of these herbaceous perennials, the term herbaceous, John Paul, just means something that dies back for the winter, right? So what that means is it doesn't necessarily all fall down for the winter, but the growth, the magic part of the plant all goes underground for the winter months. So everything that's above the ground is is in effect dead tissue. Now, you can leave it there uh, and you might get some insects and some birds feeding on it, depending on, on the plants. And. Um, but if you find it too unsightly looking, you can cut it back. So really, once once the growth goes under the ground, which is normally around this time of the year, any time between now and that growth starting again, let's say in March of next year, is your window to cut it back. So you could you could cut your herbaceous plants that have turned brown you can cut them back now or you can leave them anytime and do do them anytime between now and march so hopefully that answers the questions really it's it's aesthetics as much as anything else if you think they're too untidy looking then cut them back if you quite like them quite like that kind of winter look if you like uh, you can leave them up until february march
3: And Mary is in Donnerill. Every year she has her Ponsettias which die on her, she said. She's got two last year. Now, they have survived these two, but the leaves are all green. She wants to know, will the leaves go red for the Christmas?
0: Mary is only showing off because she knows full well that I can't get a Ponsettia to last from one year to the next, (laughs) right? No matter what I do. So Mary's doing better than me. Mary and my mother-in-law are both putting me to shame. Um, So... The 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 red that you get, which is traditional with the pansettias during the Christmas season, uh, are actually you know modified leaves. They're they're bracts, they're floral bracts, which which attract insects in Mexico, which is where they're native to. The, it attracts the insects to so the tiny little white flowers inside. So the red are actually the 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 leaves or the floral bracts. But to to get them to go red, they go through um, periods of artificial night and day where daylight hours are extending. Um, and the plant things, the, the plant, this is all done, sorry, this is all, these are all done in greenhouses by commercial growers and the plants are tricked into thinking that they're coming into the spring, if you like, and that's why we get them red during Christmas. Um, her her Ponsettia will, they will develop the red floor red bracts again but probably not for Christmas. It'll probably be in the spring, I'm afraid. So um, what you could do if you want is uh, try tricking them. But you probably, yeah, where are we? October, you probably still have time. Uh, you could try tricking the plant into into thinking that it's, it's coming into spring earlier, which will be closer to Christmas. I would say a quick Google search to tell you the right hours of, of night and day uh, would help you with that. But realistically, I'd probably leave well alone and let it go red in its own time.
3: OK, and this person on text is asking, can they dig up their gladiolus bulbs now at the moment? They have already cut up all the flowers off them, uh, but there is still a lot of greenery uh, that still remains. And they're saying that they are planted in the wrong place in the garden.
0: Well, let the greenery die off first. So, the, again, referring to the weather, if if it would normally be colder at this time of the year and you'd see that greenery dying off, but it will happen, and I imagine it'll happen quite quickly, we'll probably get a, a dip in temperatures. And then when the when the, the foliage, the leaves on the gladiola start to go brown, that's when you, you lift the bulbs, remove the brown foliage, you'll still need a secateurs or something, it won't be like a daffodil where it'll pull off, uh, you'll still need a secateurs to remove the brown foliage uh, and lift the bulbs and then plant them out in the correct position then I would say kind of next March time, February, March, April would be the time to plant them then.
3: And then red robin, they want to know, can they use some cuttings of red robin now or would these be suitable for this time of the year?
0: Absolutely. Try it. Like if you're cutting back your red robin anyway, then certainly try try taking ma- making them root, try using them as cuttings. It is a bit late in the year but again, because it's warmer than normal you probably, I took cuttings of plants there just two weeks ago uh, and they have already, not red robin, but other plants and they're already rooting away no problem. So I would say yes, you want to, uh, if you're trimming the red robin, you want cuttings of this year's growth uh, about four to six inches cut the base of the cutting should be at a node, which is where the leaf meets the stem uh, remove the top bud the, the top couple of leaves and just leave one or two leaves on the cutting four to six inches into a bit of rooting powder into a small bit of, of, of good quality compost and they'd probably root away if we do get a dip in temperatures move them inside but if not the cuttings that I took a couple of weeks ago I've left them all outside uh, you know with storms and everything that we've had and they're they're rooting away so the temperatures are fine but if it did get cold I would move the red robin cuttings inside and I'd say you'll root away in a few a few weeks
3: and very finally, does Peter know how to get rid of creeping buttercup leaves off the lawn?
0: <laughs> I wish I did. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, the, 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 it, it can be a curse. Now, I've, I've, I've learned to, I'm not going to say I've learned to love it, but uh, I've learned to certainly accept it. It's provided my lawn... Uh, And my green area is green. It doesn't have to be weed free. So the the kind of sidestepping that question is a bit kind of learn to love it. The only way to remove it really is get out there by hand and remove it physically, which depending on the size of the of the area it can be just far too much work. So maybe it's just learn to love it, I'm afraid.
3: Okay, Peter, thank you for that. And we'll uh, chat to you again next Wednesday on the show. That is Peter Doddle from theirishgardener.com. Joe, your Wednesday afternoon. Patricia Messenger should be back tomorrow. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Take care.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the
4: no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.